whenever time came, I just I was waiting for my opportunity to buy it. Within thirty days, I knew something. I knew something was wrong. So they didn't they didn't ask questions, and it was culturally it wasn't appropriate for me to ask questions. Yeah, and so that's uh, so what ended up happening is, and it wasn't for sale, but I but I made I decided that. Uh, I couldn't live with myself uh, in a, in a, I, I was being controlled more than I was. I couldn't control my own destiny. I was being controlled. Uh, that's not something I know how to deal with. So it was pretty much a death by cop situation. I yeah. mean, I told, I told them that, hey, you know, I want to buy it. And they said, man, okay. So they, they, uh, they ended that for me. So for the first time in my life, I was fired. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Hello, Jeremy. How are you doing, sir? Awesome. Well, welcome to our podcast, Winning Strategies Playbook. And uh, you like that name? Love it. We can thank the great Aaron Greger for coming up with this name. So um, to start off, I want to give a couple of shout-outs. Okay. Um, Aaron Greger with Innovation Media Enterprises. She's the one helping us put this podcast together. She's been awesome. So if you're out there trying to build a podcast, reach out to Aaron. We're, we're going to put their contact in here. And I came across Aaron through Rebecca Bridges, who's managing uh, City Central here, this shared workspace area. Okay. I knew Rebecca from the Fort Worth Club when right. she was on membership and then uh, me being on the committee there. And she transitioned over to here, was giving me the tour, and I saw the podcast room and made made some magic from there. And it's been awesome. Uh, and, uh, and then the third, love. Goes to my father-in-law, James Van Hook, because last night when we were at dinner, he said, "If you're going to do any speaking, you got to have a joke." So we're calling this the JVH joke of the day. So, what did the ocean say to the other ocean? What did the uh, ocean say to the other ocean? I don't know. Nothing. They just waved. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. That's awesome. And see, I told him, I said, it's at least going to be a clean joke that we're yeah. going to put on here, right? So, it, you know what? My father-in-law has been a, a great, I mean, inspiration to me and, and driver of success in what we do. And uh, speaking of drivers of success, Stanton Williams and Cultural Index. Tell us about that. What's, what's Cultural Index? Okay, so Culture Index is a program, think of it as a strategic program, and it's designed for business owners or, or people that, do, that are just absolutely focused on growth, right? So think of it, um, Moneyball for Business. So, so we're using applied analytics to help businesses grow. Typically, we're focused on helping them drive more revenue, more profit, and sustainable scale. Now, that's 
sustainable scale is dependent on what 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 the business wants. Sometimes it's I want to grow ten percent a year. Sometimes I want to grow sixty percent a year. So so our program is about first <clears throat> understanding who do we have on the bus. Are they in the right seats? How do we motivate the people that are on the bus? How do we avoid demotivating them? Each of us are motivated differently. So the things that motivate you and that motivate Laura are going to be two very different things. You're two very different people, right, as an example. And uh, typically in businesses, there are people that are in the right seats or people that that are that, that are not in the right seats. They might, not, might, might be the right people on the bus, just may not be properly aligned. Uh, it's possible they're in the right seat, but they're, we're asking them to do some things that they're never going to be great at. So we can quickly identify what those things are, uh, get people properly aligned, and then the rest of the program is about making absolutely sure that before we ever interview anybody that they are wired to be who we want them to be because how easily can we be fooled in interviews, right? Mm-hmm. So so before we ever interview, we know they have the wiring. So I can tell you, anyone as an example, that that a candidate is wired to be a world-class sprinter. Now, I can't tell you whether they eat donuts three times a day and never trained to be a world-class sprinter. So those are the kinds of things that you have to interview for. Yeah. But I'll give you the DNA, yeah, that's 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 our program. So we're we're judged based on our ability to help businesses realize their desired organizational outcomes. That's the way we're evaluated. We dis we differentiate ourselves in the space from personality profile companies who are just focused on helping you understand who people are. Yeah. So what would you say is the difference, like a major differentiator between your company and I mean, because there's what do we got? We got, there's a Myers-Briggs disc. There's the dots. I mean, there's, I don't, I don't even know right. how many of them are out there, right? Right. So, so you know, we're, we're the most valid uh, instrument on the market that we know of. Certainly, that can be completed in under 10 minutes. <laughs> but Thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> Someone who's ADD like a squirrel on methamphetamines. Right. I mean, 10 minutes is like being waterboarded in Guantanamo Bay for me, right? And and I can just right. zip through it. Now, I did have to Google a lot of those words because <laughs> I am a Marine and, well, anything with more than one or two syllables so you, you in it. you took more time than I did, and that, <laughs> but that also, tell, that also tells us more about you, right? So it's not it's not the validity, though, Jeremy, that, that is the reason people work with us. The reason people work with us is our ability to, to interpret and the way we teach people how to interpret the data and then to apply it. So the knowledge transfer by itself is not particularly valuable. Interesting, but it's the application of that knowledge to help people grow or help organizations grow. That's, that's the magic. When that, you know, I tell the story when I, I was a client before I started doing this and I, uh, I learned some things about my, my, my employees that, that blew my mind. I went back. Uh, it, it was a Thursday, Friday, had a weekend, get back. I didn't apply the knowledge. I got right back, right back to what I was doing because I was behind. I'm busy. Mm-hmm. And I, I started realizing that I was, uh, I was recognizing passive-aggressive tendencies from my 
number one employee. Well, that was very annoying for me. Why would he treat me like that? I own the business. Mm -hmm. And then I had to reflect, Jesse is a nice guy. Why would he be doing that? I reflected upon my training and realized that I was the cause. <laughs> so I had to go apologize and, and make things right. So that's that when, when, when this knowledge is applied, we move mountains. Yeah. So is that, are you referring to when you owned V rooms? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about Stan. Right. Let's your, go. Your journey, your journey to get to where you're at now, man, just, Kind of walk us through that. You know, who is Stanton? How did you get to where you're at now? You owned a business before, and then that business retained culture index, and then you end up leaving right. the business to go to that. I mean, like, what? How does that happen? Like, what? yeah, there's a lot. There's there's a lot uh, that you don't know. Yeah. So I mean, even 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 growing up, you know, I was in FFA, yeah. um, raised calves. Uh, I, I, I would consistently sell the most turkeys at Thanksgiving. Uh, I, so I, so I always enjoyed sales. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I set a Houston office record. Have you ever, ever heard of Cutco knives? Yeah. 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 yeah pretty awesome. Right. <laughs> yeah. I set a Houston office record, you know, back in the day for selling Cutco knives. So, uh, I've always, I've always enjoyed being in sales. Uh, it just, it came pretty easy to me. And, you know, I always wanted to make a lot of money, and I didn't want to be a doctor or an attorney, and so that, I saw that as, as being a way to do so. So out of school, I went to school in Abilene Christian, and after school, I, you know, I always wanted to, to control my own destiny. I always wanted to run my own business, but I didn't have a particular passion at that time. So I thought, you know, I'll go to work for somebody, I'll learn and I'll, I'll make my own way later. So I started with a company that interviewed on campus, very small company based in Fort Worth called LIFO Systems. Uh, very small. I didn't realize that at the time they had just reached a, a million dollars in revenue. They were, and they were just cash flowing whenever they, had, whenever they interviewed me. So the reason I, I chose to go with LIFO Systems is because they didn't limit my income potential, right? Now, that came that came with a caveat. I got $1,500 a month for six months, and it was straight commission after that. So I have always been driven by somewhat of a fear of failure. I can't, I can't stand the idea. So I can't let that happen. Mm -hmm. So I'll work my butt off. This was a business where, where we sold, you know, we, we sold, uh, over the phone, phone calls all day, every day. And it was a complicated sale because we had to make friends with accounting firms and then get them to refer us to their auto dealership clients. So you had to, you had to work both sides of that. So the, the minimum re requirement for phone calls was 40 a day. Well, because I, I, I had to make up for what I didn't know. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't know the product very well. I didn't know, I had no experience selling like this. 
I, I was pretty quickly making 60 calls a day. Then I bumped it to 80, and this was all on me. I didn't, I wasn't being asked to do this, but I decided I have to do this to make sure I don't, make sure I, I make it in this. I have to make it up with, what I, what I knew about sales is the more at bats you get, it's a numbers game, right? So the more, the more, the more at bats you get, the more you're going to learn, the more you learn, the more you can apply, the more you can apply the more you're going to build that pipeline. So I worked up to 100 calls a day, and I made that a minimum. I would I would call Hawaii. I'd call Alaska. If my day was running long, I, did, I didn't get 100, 100 phone, calls phone calls a day. Every single day. No excuses. Man. Right. That's... Right. So that's... that. Anyway, so that's, that's where I started. Uh, and... It was, you know, so six months in, I started in June, you know, six months in straight commission. So that next year I made $94,000 and it was all commission. What year was this? Uh, this would have been, I graduated in 88, so that would have been 89. It's 90, just right. shy of 100 grand in 89. Right. And then I never, serious, I, I never made less. Right? Serious so, money, yeah. Right. But, you know, it, it, it was, so, so I, I learned a lot. I learned, um, but I, I did a lot of things poorly too. As I've, as I've grown to, to know who I am today, um, you know, people like us, uh, Jeremy, have asshole tendencies. So, <laughs> um, so, so, I've, I've, so I, I didn't realize it at the time. You know, I took the disc. Let's, let's break, let's, let's unpackage that one here for a quick second because... You and I have seen cultural index, right? Uh, in a lot of ways. In a right? lot of There's, ways. I think yeah. mine's probably more extreme. Uh, right? Yours is a little wider, and then and yeah. and, and we're going to always know where you stand because you're going to have more. You're going to more an open book. I'm a little bit more of a closed book. Right. Right. So, as you you know, talk about the the asshole trait in that, right? Where the right. the red dot is to the right of the yellow dot, but you're to the right of the right. Bell curve. So tell me, tell me, tell me about that. Like, what, what's, what process are we hardwired for that? Well, okay. So the, the I, I'll, I'll transition to culture index from just from from that disc, you yeah. know, because it, you know yeah. I, I took the disc, uh, the the disc assessment, right? Yeah. And I and I read the report. Now this is back in my twenties, so please give me yeah. some grace here. Yeah. But I read the report, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I had no idea this was a contest, and I won it, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm thinking I, I hit I hit it. I, yeah. I won. Yeah. And so I was so proud of that result. I'm going around to people saying, hey, look, read this, read this. And I'm, in my head, I'm thinking, you're, you're going to be— you know, you're going to be jealous because you didn't, you didn't win. Yeah. And that was how—but that, that's, that's not— it, we can laugh at it. It's it was horrible, right? Because what that meant was, as as I had success over the years, there were there were bodies on the side of the road, and some of those bodies needed to be on the side of the road, but mm -hmm. there were unnecessary bodies on the side of the road. So a lot of what we teach is understanding. If I had understood myself at that point better, yeah. and if I had understood others, if I had understood what the things I'm great at and what I'm not. It would have saved a lot of time. It would have helped me be a lot more effective a lot earlier. So that's 
but but what we're what what you were asking about, you know, we measure we measure traits based on based on average for the entire planet. Uh, you and I, yeah, both uh, our autonomy is greater than ninety eight percent of all people on Earth. So two percent of the planet is wired like us. Ninety eight percent of all people on Earth are more employable than, than we you are. And, than you and I. Yeah. Plus and minus. <laughs> There's a plus and a minus to that. <laughs> so, um, so I've, I've learned, you know, I, I've learned the minus over the years and I've done what I can to help mitigate that. Yeah. I don't, I'm not saying I always do. Yeah. But that's, but that, 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 that's, there's a plus and a minus to everything. Yeah. I like to call it is when competition arises in any conversation, if it's about winning or being friends on Facebook, I'm going to have to come and apologize to you later because that competitive drive, that high autonomy and the fact that my A trait, you know, for the listeners out there, reach out to Stanton, let, let them do a survey for you and, and break it down. And this will make a lot more sense, but my A trait, my autonomy and my pace, my C trait are as far from each other as they can possibly be, right? They can't go any further. I mean, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. Correct, right. So my clock, and it really made sense to Laura, right? Like, I, it's, there's a lot of things that have saved my marriage, and cultural index was one of them because she's wired completely opposite of me, right? Yeah. She's a 100% opposite and extreme in her traits because, yeah. you know, her, her B trait and D trait are as far apart as they could almost possibly be, right? So when Laura understood that from the time my feet hit the floor at 4 a.m. to the time my head hits a pillow between 10 and 11, I'm not the hour hand, I'm not the minute hand, I'm not the second hand, I'm the millisecond hand to where my mind is going and thinking about winning. And, and, and it's, I don't know how to think any other way, yeah. right? I mean, like it's, so I have to intentionally stop, build in kind of roadblocks per se when I see cues from folks that are going, wait a minute, this is, what are you talking about? Or what, why is this happening? And I have to stop because there is no slow down to me, right? It's either... We're driving a Ferrari at 200 miles an hour or it's sitting in park in the driveway, right? Right. Well, so to clarify what Jeremy's saying is he's, he's more autonomous than 98% of all people on earth. And 98% of all people on earth are more patient than he is. <laughs> so he's extremely impatient, extremely intense, extremely restless. Statistically, very few people on Earth move fast enough for him. So, yeah. the, so, so, uh, what you're referring to is when, when you've got that kind of extreme profile, blowing down the road. You know, you're going to you're going to offend some people, and you're not meaning to offend people, right? Yeah. I mean, because people are like, "What the heck? You know, what's yeah. what's going on here?" And you're like, "What's going on here is this is just life. We got to go, man. We got to." That's that's what's driving it. Man, and I tell you, it's so important to know yourself, right? So my executive coach, Tony, as you know. Yeah. And what he helped me learn was we're not judged on our intentions. 
but rather the results of our actions. Because if we were judged on tensions alone, I mean, I'm one of the greatest human beings ever walked on the face of the earth. But yeah. if you look at my results, ah, you know, like you said, bodies on the road, because right. when those competitive juices hit, I mean, I'm dialed in. Like I am so hyper-focused to where once I learned that about myself, it made sense because when you articulated to me that where most people's heart rates go up when chaos is happening, my heart rate actually goes down, which was really funny, you know, because between spending almost 26 years in the Marines and police department, when gunfire was going and most people would get excited, I actually got calmer. That's when I, I, that's when I was in my zone, like, hey, people are shooting at us. Time, time to go to work. And, you know, and which is not any environment I would recommend to go test your abilities, by the way, but, right. but it made sense. And then for Laura, who's opposite, where she's absolutely, there's only one way to do things, and that's the right way, and one way. And then, you know, her, she wants to be on board. Her, her autonomy's to the left of the scale, so she, she wants everybody to be on board before moving forward where— I've started the race for the guns gone off, right? Right. So once we understood that, especially not just being married and being, you know, a parent to our daughter, Maggie, but being business partners, it changed everything in business for us. Well, so th the, think of it to set the stage for, you know, the discussion we're going to have. Half of the world is wired to advance, you know, advance our position, right? Think of it yeah. in military terms. Half of the world is wired to secure the supply line. Half the world is, needs, wants, and seeks social acceptance. Mm -hmm. They have people skills. Half the world doesn't. You have people skills that you can turn on. Laura doesn't need, want, or seek social acceptance, so she has other gifts, Right, gifts that get gifts that the that the high bees don't. So she's going to be more analytical, more technical. Half the world is process oriented. If we can build a process around it, we can perfect it. Mm -hmm. If it's repeatable, it's perfectible. Creatures of habit. Half the world needs stress and pressure to do their best work. This half, guy <laughs> more so than ninety eight percent of all people on earth. Right. Yeah. Half, the, half, half of all people on earth, like Laura, are, have a compulsion to complete. So they are, they're perfectionists, anal attentive about life, right? Mm -hmm. Particular, there's one right way to do everything. If you want to know what that is, you can always ask Laura because she'll know. Mm -hmm. Half the world is not. Now, there's a, there's a, your pattern is... You're, you're going to be selectively particular, but but if we're just talking about in general, half the world uh, is by the book, half the world is not. Half the world colors within the lines, half the world doesn't. Yeah. And so it's a matter of of understanding what drives each of us because we're our, our traits are set early in life, nature and nurture, by the age of 12. And a lot of psychologists are going to say, yeah, well, it's actually between the ages of four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. But it's it, 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 our traits are set early. Once they're set, they're set. They don't change. So that's what we'll do. We'll we'll understand 
who people are to make sure we're getting them properly aligned because we can, you know, I could buy you, uh, Jeremy, I could buy you books. I could send you to seminars. I could send you to therapy and you're never going to be Laura, <laughs> right? Or the, and, the, and the opposite. Trump is never going to be Sanders, who's never going to be Trump, right? So yeah. because we're, we're, just, we're just different. Wired different. So here it is. You're making just shy of a hundred grand in 1989 in sales. So you like that sales. What happens then? What where do you go from there? Uh, what do they do? What do we do in the business? What did they do with me? I was very successful, and so they they what what felt right? What felt right was, well, we'd like to replicate this. So let's make him a player coach because he can help teach others what he's doing. Yeah. Makes sense. What do we do with our best employees? We promote them. According to top grading, they're successful in that role 25% of the time. They're an A player in that that next role, and we promote them 25% of the time. 75% of the time, we give them Knives and they're like a kindergartner running down the hall at school with sharp knives. Now they're cutting others or cutting themselves. They don't want to cut others. They don't want to cut themselves. So they promoted me. I was a player coach. And all I would look around and say, basically, you suck. You suck. How do you suck so badly? I mean, it, it, it's it, because it made so much sense to me. And so, you know, I, I don't have to tell you, you know, I have to ask you how effective a leadership style that is. Again, I was in my 20s. Yeah. So that was part of the that was part of the collateral uh, damage uh, that I was referring to. So, but um, so, so pretty quickly, it was pretty much me and one other salesperson, and we went through a lot of people that 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 really weren't. We had no way to identify, you know, the the kinds of people we needed for this uh, effectively. Um, we we were using disk, but it didn't. It wasn't really helping us. So um, over time, uh, we, uh, what I'd mentioned was whenever I started, the company had about a million mm-hmm. in revenue. Now they didn't tell me this. They didn't tell me that. They didn't tell me that they were barely cash flowing. Uh, you know, for obvious reasons. Uh, but uh, that was eighty when I started in eighty eight. In ninety eight. Uh, we had grown to, and th- these were professional services, mm-hmm. right? We were selling ideas and we were selling, uh, you know, we would do the work, print the book, send it out. These were, th- th- this was, th- this was consultative sales. So we'd gotten it to 4 million in revenue, 2 million in profit. Wow. And so it, it sold to a public company. I had, I had some ownership. Uh, so I had a small little exit there. And then uh, within a few months, the leadership that had been there uh, left. Mm-hmm. One, um, well, I'm just going to leave it. that They weren't yeah. there after within a few months. Right. So they made me president. And that was in, that was in 2001. Uh, so we sold in two, at the end of 2000, uh, well, we sold, we, 98 to the, 
by 2001, I was made president. Okay. Right. So that's when we started to grow because I could, because I'm like, we, we, I, I, we have to grow. That's, that's the wiring. You, you know, the wiring, yeah. it doesn't mean you're always going to do it right. It just means that you're going to go. Yeah. Right. So what I decided to do, we, we were selling, we were selling, uh, sophisticated federal tax consulting ideas to through accounting firms to companies, right? Mm. And uh, so what I started doing is, is understanding what are, the, what are the largest accounting firms, what kind of services are they offering? And we just started copying those. Yeah. <laughs> so we hired people to do that and then we would we'd move it through the channel. So so we so we grew it. Uh, we grew that to fifteen fifteen million and uh, five million in, in EBITDA. Wow. Um, and we had gone through a number of we'd gone through a number of acquisitions. You know, um, I had always wanted to buy it, but it was never for sale because it was always they were always able to get more from somebody else and what they were going to be able to sell it to me for. Uh, to finish this part of it out, uh, we were we were bought in 2011 by a company that was based uh, out of another country that just that had a very different culture. Yeah. And uh, 30 days into it, I knew that this was not going to be good. How much do you like being controlled, Jeremy? <laughs> okay. So I don't like being controlled either. So you yeah. say, well, how in the world do you work for this company for this long? Well, I felt like I was controlling my own destiny. They left yeah. me alone. Uh, the problem looking back was I made too much money, right? So you've got some golden handcuffs. Mm -hmm. And instead of realizing really basically what's, what's happening, you know, it just happens over time. That Because I always just knew I could buy it. Whenever time came, I just I was waiting for my opportunity to buy it. Within thirty days, I knew something. I knew something was wrong. So they didn't. They didn't ask questions, and it was culturally it wasn't appropriate for me to ask questions. Yeah. And so that's. Uh, so what ended up happening is, and it wasn't for sale, but I but I made I decided that uh, I couldn't live with myself. Uh, in a, in a, I, I was being controlled more than I was. I couldn't control my own destiny. I was being controlled. Uh, that's not something I know how to deal with. So it was pretty much a death by cop situation. I mean, yeah. I told, I told them that, Hey, you know, I want to buy it. And they said, man, okay. So they, they, uh, they ended that for me. So for the first time in my life, I was fired and, uh, that sent me on a journey. So I'd always wanted to own a business. And uh, one of the things that I, the, the, the thing that I did best at, uh, at Lifeo Systems that became Source Corp and is now Source Advisors is because of the mistakes I made early on, thinking that I had hit the lottery, you know, I mean, and, and, and the hurt that, that ensued, I learned from that. And I realized that I wasn't everything. I realized a lot of things I'm not. And that whenever I attempted to be those things, I didn't fool anybody. I didn't fool myself. I didn't fool anybody else. So the key to my success in growing that business was 
identifying people that had strengths that were different than me, getting them properly aligned and giving them enough, enough rope to hang themselves. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I'm not a micromanager and, um, and, and it worked, it works very well. I say that because that's the key to everybody's success that has success. I mean, you know, in a business like that. So, but It, when you strike out on your own, you, if you can't replicate that, if too much of it is 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 on you, yeah. um, and you don't have the pe- the team around you to 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 to, to apply the brakes, um, Jeremy without Laura is not going to be as effective as Jeremy with Laura. One, as an, one couldn't agree with you as, a, as an example. More, um, it's funny. I made a quick note here. Is by design, I'm a great owner of businesses, but also by design. I'm a horrible manager. I'm a horrible boss. I'm a horrible decision maker because those require elements that are not my strengths. And Cultural Index helped us figure that out, you know, through the help of you, the help of Tony, the help of what I call my fake five, my five people that are in my close network that I rely on to give me advice on stuff. And what we came, and it was really kind of a hard pill it was a bittersweet pill to, to chew on, which was remove me from all decision-making because the autonomy control side of me was like, no, kind of territorial. This is mine. But if it was left up to me, like I was going to, I was going to run the wheels off of this thing. Yeah. And so taking me out of the decision-making became such a relief for me is being the driver of the vision and where we're going and then trusting the people that work with me to do all the things that I'm not really willing to do allowed us to just, I mean, skyrocket. I mean, you've seen, I mean, we, when, when I got my real estate license in, it was about October 1st of 2016 and Sotheby's had bought Laura's company you know, she, she and her mom sold to Sotheby's. Sotheby's came in. They'd bought three real estate firms in Fort Worth. Laura agreed to stay on and manage, but she could still list and sell. But now she was, you know, when you fall under a corporate entity instead of a business-owned entity, there was a lot more mandates on her time. So she was like, get a license, help me out with this. And I was in the middle of transition, and I was like, ah, I don't want to do this. But then I got in there, and together— I did a million in that first 90 days. She had done 5 million for the year. So we did 6 million, which is pretty, pretty good for Fort Worth, right? I mean, people consider top producers do 3 million and we 2X that, right? But the juices started flowing. So we did 15 million the next year, right, for 2017. And then in 2018, we broke 20 million. And then 2019, we did, I think, 26 million. And then this year we were at 26 million by August 1st. Awesome. Right. And for the trailing 12 months, we've done over 42 million. And being able to focus on that, which kind of comes back to you and cultural index, one of the keys in that, and it's really funny because just yesterday we had a team meeting and we took all of our clients. And for the last 12 months, and we ranked them in one of four categories. They were easy to work with, and they listened. 
That was a number one, right? That's dream client for everybody. They weren't as easy to work with, but they listened. It's category two. Or they were easy to work with, but they didn't listen. You know, love them to death, but they don't take any advice from you whatsoever. Or the fourth, not easy, doesn't listen, right? And I was amazed how the team ranked. It, it was like 85% of our clients were ones. So we're picking the right clients, but also they were ones because we utilize cultural index where if somebody's going to be a client, we've got a process, right? And I'm not going to make sausage out of the process what we do, but one of the elements is we need you to take the cultural index survey because if the golden rule is to treat people the way you want to be treated, the platinum rule is to treat them the way they want to be treated, especially so in communication. So what happened is we found when we were communicating with people with the way they preferred to process information, how many of our clients became ones, right? Now, you can't fix everybody, right? I mean, there's just I mean, yeah, human yeah. beings are human beings. But all these, and which made it easier on the team, which made working the team working with folks so much easier. Yeah. But what it did more so than anything is it allowed us to establish trust to such a level where things, I mean, there was just people didn't question us, you know. Yeah. We were like, hey, listen, you're in charge of the decisions. We're in charge of the process. You know, we're, we are the subject matter experts in real estate. You're the subject matter expert in what you want to spend and not spend. <laughs> and so that helped us to that, to even the next level of for two years in a row for Briggs, Freeman, Sotheby's, We've been the number one producer in outgoing referrals. So we use cultural index when someone says, hey, um, I, I, my sister's moving to uh, uh, Palmdale, California. Do you have anybody? And if we don't have someone, we jump in and start researching them, right? Who's, who's a good producer? But just because you produce a lot doesn't mean you're, you're good at taking care of the client. And so one of the ways to select is after I collected a bunch of people for that Palmdale area, I was like, okay, need y'all to take cultural index. And the ones that didn't disqualified themselves right away. If you're not going to give me 10 minutes of your time, then I'm not even going to do that. But it was also kind of like match.com yeah. for agents and clients where we were able to mesh them together and the agent had a better experience, the client had a better experience. And so we, what really filled our love bucket is, hey, we can't be everywhere at once, but what we can do for the entire planet is get them connected with someone like us that will truly look after their financial interests. And man, that just fills my love bucket because I want, real estate is an industry that has lost the trust of the consumer over the last number of decades. When you had to have a real estate agent because they were the only ones that had access to what was for sale or not, that was, that was it. Now, I mean, anybody with a smartphone knows what's for sale and being able to reestablish those trust links in an industry that's lost it, it's just, man, it's exciting. Yeah. And Cultural Index plays that huge, huge part into it, right? You know, like you, it's like, you're like, I want to win, but I don't want to leave bodies on the road. But right. that's just naturally what's going to happen sometimes, right. right? You know, because we're so focused on the win. Right. All right. So sorry to segue there. So you 
you buy this business, right? Yep. What happens from there? Uh, interestingly, and I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think you know this, but uh, I had met Michael Hall with Culture Index back in 2014, no, 2013, and we were both in between. Um, he had had a company in Arizona that was about to take off, uh, but a lot of it was based on Tiger Woods' reputation, and that was right before mm, yeah. the, the implosion, uh, which had a significant impact on on his company. So he and I were both on the sidelines. We met each other, hit it off. Uh, we, were, we, we had a lot of things in common, but I didn't really keep up with him. And I started hearing about Michael Hall out in the business community, uh, I had taken the Culture Index survey. Uh, I didn't take it the first time. I didn't take it the second time he asked. I finally took it just to get him to leave me alone. <laughs> um, and when he, and when he uh, interpreted it, he, he uh, focused on some things that weren't positive, and I was pushing back, and he wasn't letting up. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so... Um, the reason I bring that up is Michael, uh, I, I had decided based on his reputation and what I'd seen him being able to do for other businesses that whenever I owned a business, I would use Culture Index. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason I was going, I, I, I decided to do that is I had always liked using instruments, mm -hmm. right? But none of them taught, taught me the, the, the psychology behind what made humans tick, I, I didn't understand. So whenever I'm equipped with that, I'm smart enough. I'll be able to use that knowledge to help me make decisions. But nobody else was giving me that. So I thought, that's what I want. Yeah. Uh, now, before we bought this business, he surveyed my partner, soon-to-be partner. And he looked me in the eye and he said, don't do it. Well... Again, how much do you like being told what to do? <laughs> so, so somebody tells me not to do something. Challenge um, accepted. <laughs> right. So, yeah. but there were reasons he said that. Now, I am hard-headed. Uh, I am, and I always know, I, I have, I have uh, confidence in myself. I just know I can always overcome but that, that the, the reason I bring this up is that that conversation he had with me um, haunted me, because that 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 partnership was never was never going to work, hmm. and um, she was an owner operator, and so we bought it together. And a lot of what I, I based my decision to buy was on her belief. It was a sincere belief that we uh, that that. The company just needed to be, uh, we needed to focus on sales. She believed, therefore I believed, that there was a lot more opportunity for growth in the market. What, we, what I found out pretty soon after I bought it is that it's a, it's a saturated market. It, it was commoditized, so it didn't really matter what you, you know, what you did. It, it was, uh, it, the, the buyers considered it to be more of a commodity.
Mm-hmm. So I immediately started trying to find ways to to, to decommoditize it. And um, pretty innovative ideas uh, came along, which are no, no need to get into now. But so, so I got to a point where I decided that uh, I decided to work with her to say, hey, why don't you, you take this because you're, you're really passionate about it. I was never really passionate about it. I'm passionate about growth, but I wasn't passionate about that business. And so I exited. And, and so, and as a client of Culture Index, I surveyed everybody. I surveyed mm-hmm. vendors. I surveyed, uh, I surveyed friends. I surveyed anybody would take the survey. Some mm-hmm. people wouldn't, as you know. A lot of people do. And so it would give me insight. And I was just fascinated by that. So I thought, and I, and I watched how Michael, my advisor, was, was helping, people do, helping people solve problems that, that, that I needed to solve as a business owner. And he's doing it for a lot of people, and he's having a whole lot of fun. And he's meeting a lot of people that are, <laughs> that are ballers, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're really going. So I thought, and, and he's doing well financially, and I thought, that. I looked around because what I really wanted to do, what I what I still love the idea of doing is is growing a business. That's that scratches my itch. But you know, I'm uh, I was over fifty, and most people aren't holding out the keys, even though I know I could do it way better than them. They're not holding out the keys, saying, "Hey, uh, why don't you come run this because you can do it better than I." So, um, and at that point. I'd, I'd, I'd use some of my, you know, capital to be able to, to have some of those freedoms. So I decided to, I decided to do this with Culture Index. And, and so it's been an incredible learning experience. I've never, it's been better, it's really been better than going back to school. Because the things that I've learned, you just, they don't teach. I can't believe what these guys figured out, what Gary Wallstrom, the founder uh, found out many years ago, and um, and that's that's who this is all based on. So that's that's uh, it's given me insight into humans. It's helped it's helped me help people. It's helped me uh, it, it's helped me help people grow. It's helped me uh, help people that are great people that that are having leaders. It's helped me figure out how to how to help born leaders transition in or born managers tr- transition into true leaders. Really? That's, that's yeah. what it is. By, yeah. by, by treating people like you said, yeah, the way they want to be based treated. on the way they yeah. want to be treated. Not the, not, not your, not your impulse, man. And there's that it's just such an epic event for us because again, you know, I'd rather be judged on my intentions, but it's the results of the actions. And and here's the thing. All right. In Texas, to get a real estate license, it's 100 questions, multiple guess, of which I think you only got to get 70 right. And you got a 25% chance of getting every one of those questions right. So there's no need to, you know, there's, you, you don't need to be a rocket science scientist to get a real estate license. Right. And what I learned early on was, it's not real difficult to pass a test that you're going to be advising people on the largest financial purchase of their life. And there's some really good agents out there. There's a lot of bad ones. And I know, I know that because I deal with them literally on a daily basis where I just 
I kid you not. So here's an example. I had a house. We were negotiating, um, and it was for Sean, Sean Carr, my buddy Sean, yeah. a couple blocks from where I live. And, man, we were just taking him to the woodshed, you know. I mean, he, he got to a point. He was like, hey, man, we can— like, I'm almost starting to feel bad. Like, right. I'm li- almost getting this house for free. He joked around. He was like, you're just, you're winning. And um, and so there was a roof issue. And so on the roof issue, we were negotiating through it. And the agent called me, and she was crying. And I was like, what? I mean, why, you know, the first, I, I was sitting there thinking, did I, you know, did that asshole trade come out? Did right. I say something? And here's what she said. You don't understand I need this deal to close because I have to pay rent. And I was thrown back by hearing that of going, wait a minute, are you representing you or your client? Right. Right? <laughs> you have a fiduciary responsibility to your client. Right now, you're more concerned with this deal closing so you can pay rent. No, I get it. You know, most everybody on our team has a minimum of an undergrad. And Laura's got a JD. I've got an MBA from TCU. We're a lot more sophisticated than your average real estate team out there. You don't have to have all that to be successful. But what I felt in my heart was you do have to have your client's interests in order to be successful. So naturally, the win inside of me, when I can smell blood in the water, that I can take the other side to the woodshed, absolutely. <laughs> Of course, if any of them are listening to this podcast, be like, oh, wow, you know, that guy operates now. <laughs> but on the other hand, when I deal with an agent that's doing what they're supposed to be doing, doing what they're supposed to be doing, my level of respect for them goes super high. And, you know, matter of fact, I wish I could get agents that are on the other side of the deal to take cultural index. That way I could communicate with them better. Right. Um, you know, to go, hey, this is what we're processing. So my point was... Anybody can help someone buy and sell real estate when it's easy, right? When it's an easy deal, anybody can do it, right? But how many people out there can navigate when it's hard? Hence, COVID hits. We had over 7.5 million deals worth of deals in the pipeline that all shut down overnight. We managed to save every single one of them except for one. And no fault to the seller we were representing. There was a buyer who was buying the buyer's house and so forth. But even then, when that deal terminated two days before closing, and it was a big pop of two, man, it was a two and a half million dollar deal. Um, we were able to bring the deal back, but my client wasn't willing to play ball. And so we did everything that we could possibly do. And you can't control right. everything. So what cultural index does for us is it's easy. I mean, you, you don't have to know somebody's dots to deliver good news, right? Hey, right. we got right. the house for less than what it was listed for. Or, hey, we got you more than what you mm. wanted to get for it, you know, whichever. But when you got to deliver the tough news, knowing how to present that information became huge because confusion creates fear. Fear doesn't get anything done. Clarity creates agreement. Agreement builds trust. Trust gets things done. Yeah. And that is where the keys to the kingdom really came in in COVID because we had to start having some real tough conversations with folks where we were literally 
leading agents on the other side of the deal to the finish line because they didn't know what to do. I mean, you sold 20 houses in the last five years and all of them went pretty smooth, but you didn't know what to do when something got tough. And so we were making these things get into the end zone. But the key part was our clients. We were able to communicate with them so effectively that it just established this great amount of trust. Right. Yeah. Right. So, and I like I like the way you you present this. It's not like, hey, uh, take this survey. I mean, you tell me. Well, you you when it, when, to get to get a client or a potential client yeah. to take the survey, you tell you tell everybody how you do it. Oh yeah. I, when they they come in, I go, hey, listen, um, golden rule: treat people the way we you know we want to be treated. Platinum rules: treat them the way they want to be treated. Communication plays a large part of that. Spend 10 minutes on this survey, and I can communicate with you the way you prefer. And I— You don't get kicked back. Right? Don't, yeah. And then back. what we've learned is the few that have that we went ahead and took as a client turned out to be monster clients. Right. That we were like—I mean, like we've got a process now that part of that is if you're not going to take the culture, if you're not going to give me 10 minutes of your time <clears> to take this that way, I can be more effective for you— then yeah. I'm not going to waste my time with you. <clears throat> right. Because what you're doing is you're indicating that you're going to make this really difficult on me and my team. And for us, trust is the currency of business. I mean, it's one of my favorite sayings, right? But with a client, we have to have that value exchange. You have to want to work with us and trust us, just like we want to work with you and trust you. One-sided is lopsided. Lopsided, you're in the convincing business. I don't have the time and energy to convince somebody of something. Just like I don't have the time and energy to be convinced of something. So as long as we've got that, we're good. We can move forward. And the value proposition in that is we are 100% going to make sure your financial interest is on the forefront beyond anything else. Cultural Index has helped us do that. So I've got got an attorney client that won't take a client without getting a survey. And we, we can measure, and you do the same thing. You can measure... Uh, what we call an avoidant response, you know, either mm-hmm. someone not giving us enough information uh, or, or saying they're everything to everybody. And so if he gets that kind of response, he just won't take the client. Mm-hmm. So if you're not if you're not willing to just tell me who you are, uh, then why would I want to work with you? Yeah, right? I mean, so in since May, we've turned down, like turned away, over four million in production, and somebody was like, "I can't, I can't believe you're not, you're not going to take me as a client." I go, man, I like you as an individual. I want it to stay that way. And I can tell you right now, if we work together, I don't know how you're going to feel about me, but I know how I'm going to feel right. about you. And I really don't <laughs> want to go there with that, right? And then so my father-in-law, who I absolutely, he is old school, right? He's in his seventies. He's an engineer. He's like, "How can you turn down business?" And I was like. By turning down business that wasn't going to have that value exchange, it opened up the aperture for me to take business that wanted the value exchange, and we soared. Yeah. Right? That's so awesome. So, think, you know, business gets complicated when we complicate it. So, we're taking the complications out. And, and that was hard for me to grasp, too, because in my mind, I can win at everything. In my mind, there is no bad client. But what I was doing is I was torturing the team because 
they're the ones that do all the heavy lifting, right? Yep. I mean, the, the, the biggest mistake I made coming up on four years ago is when I decided to call this the SPAN group. And it's not because I'm not proud of my last name. I'm very proud. But people have this expectation that they've got to get a SPAN when they call. And then plus, whenever they Google it, they spell span so many different ways. Right, right. Right? I right. mean, that's why the website's called myexperiencedrealtor.com. Yeah. Not, not, not the span group because they probably never find it or who knows, it'd probably lead them to an offshoot porn site or something right, or right, a hacker right, or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> and so um, myexperiencedrealtor.com gets to do that. And, and, and what I try to communicate with people is like, look, I'm the hunter of the business, but Michelle... Lynn, Laura, they're the ones that are going to really take care of it. The I's are going to get dotted. The T's are going to get crossed. The details are going to be in there. And as you know, I am not, everybody on the team is detail oriented except for me. Right. And so, but that's a necessity because details matter. And so now as we've gone along, we're trying to create distance of people just thinking solely span because I want them to go, whoever picks up the phone is going to take care of me. Right. And the last name does not matter. And the more we've gotten away from that and concentrated on the focus of the, who we wanted to work with. And it's great. My team much happier. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So, all right. So you mentioned something earlier. And it's actually one of my favorite topics to talk about. You're like, fear of failure. So let's talk about failure. Like, uh, I, like to, I like to believe, and this is my perspective, people that are highly successful didn't bat a thousand. Right. They got up to the mound, had a lot of strikes before they hit home runs. So a lot of people are scared of failure, right? But it's actually what we learn out of those failures that we learn about ourselves that get us to that next uh, part, right? Right. So I want to make I want to make this. Uh, th- thank you for asking. It's not that it, it's not. Um, I've never been afraid to take risks. Yeah. Right. I've been afraid to not take risks. So I mean, I, I've been too risk. In hindsight, I'm too, too risk too risk oriented. <laughs> but once I'm in it, I will not. I don't want to. You know, I'm not going to fail. So then I'll do whatever it takes to win. Right. So yeah. so that 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 that's there's a difference in in being risk oriented versus. Uh, and so, you know, I remember whenever I left uh, what's now Source Advisors, I I. Uh, I didn't want a job. People are like, well, are you interviewing? I'm like, no, nah, I don't really want a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't work for anybody again. I yeah. mean, that, that didn't, you know, it didn't end very well. I worked a lot of years and, and, uh, so, so that's, that's what, that, that set me on, on a, on a course. So, I mean, I did, I did a few things. I, I, I worked with a startup. It was a mobile app, uh, idea. Uh, but, I remember thinking and even telling people, you know, what scares me is to look back and say, I didn't take risks. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that. That's not me. So I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm not, you know, that's part, part of the challenge is, I think, with, with my pattern is 
not afraid because I have I have confidence in myself. I just know, and the, the and that's good. Mm-hmm. The the challenge is we have to make sure that when that when we're making a decision that we clearly understand the market because one of the things I understood is the market is more powerful than I am. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. so, but when you're, when, so some of the times that I look so, so good, I'm, I'm following the market. Yeah. Right. So, but, but if you're, if you're swimming up upstream against the market, that water stream more powerful than what you might realize. And pretty quickly you're gasping for air when you didn't think you'd be gasping. So market brings up something that I want to talk about here. So we currently live in what I'm coining now to be the post-pandemic protesting, writing, election year trifecta of 2020, right? Like anything that you can just absolutely throw into this bucket of mess. Pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. Your clients. Yeah. Which ones, or I'm trying to think, maybe the better question to ask is, could you tell a difference of which ones were prepared, not necessarily because anybody knew this was coming, but prepared maybe mentally to overcome challenges versus others? And have you seen differences uh, in how these companies are operating? Yeah, yeah there, there, were, there were yeah. two, there, there were a few things, you know, the, the, um, the, the more diversified the, the, the client base uh, for, for, our, for our customers, their customers' client, their, their client base is the better. So we had a, we had a, a company that was just doing, going, going gangbusters. They were um, growing year over year, um, setting records, and they sold furniture to cruise companies. <laughs> so yeah. I think I don't know that they're still in business right now. Yeah. But uh, there, there are a lot of clients that have thrived through this. Yeah. Uh, system, I have a system integration client that's actually had some of the best numbers they've ever had, which is because while all this was going on, a, a lot of companies look back and said, you know, this is a great time to do some of those upgrades that we just have been putting off because we've got to, we need to get our infrastructure up to speed. Yeah. And so, and part of that was also driven by people working from home. They needed to be able to support people working from home. So there, there are, it really depends on the business. Uh, it surprised me, uh, even in your business, I, I for, you know, in my, and I was just expecting that home sales would, would, uh, would really be tough, but you know, you guys have been having record months yeah. and that's because people reflect on, you know, where am I living? Do I actually like <laughs> living here anymore? Because I'm now I'm living in it all the time and I don't really like it so much after all. So I need to, you know, I need a new place. Uh, a lot of that's a lot of the same thing has happened with marriages. You know, like you know, what, what in the world? <laughs> what am I doing here? Uh, there's been a lot of child abuse too, but yeah. I'm, I'm chasing a rabbit. So, well, let me so ask, our, let me let me ask you. Yeah. Let me interrupt you. Ask you a question. From what you're seeing with your clients, is this work from home going to be a thing now? Uh, good question. Uh, a, yes, a lot of clients. Uh, are finding that, you know, before they said, well, that just working from home wouldn't work for us. Mm-hmm. And no one can say that that's the case anymore. Uh, so the new normal, we believe, is going to be that more people are going to be working from home or at least having more of a flex schedule, right? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and that is going to have an effect on commercial office space. 
Now I've got a client that's in that's a that's a is a basically in the private equity space for real estate, and uh, as you had suggested with the contraction, you know everything stopped. Mm-hmm. I mean the collective sphincter just closed, right? Yeah. But it's opened back up, and um, and and the markets are opening opening back up, and the, and they're doing deals, and uh, they're being very very smart about which 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 deals they buy. Uh, but they're able to, but they're, but they're moving some properties now uh, that they had wanted to move. And, uh, but long term, we, we do, we do expect that it's going to have an imp- impact on, on office space uh, because we d- people don't need as much space anymore. Yeah. Because, they're, because if we can, if, we, if you can, then that's, that's one of the largest expenses any business has. And if we can reduce that and, and, and not miss a beat and actually have happier employees, then better. Now, you know, our clients are in- interested in knowing who's more likely to be able to deal with working from home based on who they are. We're able to tell them those things. I was they, I was going right. to I was going to say with cultural index, you could probably walk right. in and go this half needs to come to the office, this half can work from the house, right? Right. right. And and it's kind of funny is have you seen that Garth Brooks uh documentary on Netflix? No. Great. Great. Just to hear yeah. the 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 successes and failures of you know one of the most recognized country music singers on the planet you know for generations and generations to come and the way he talked about it is what's a blessing is also a curse and what's a curse is also a blessing yeah so the curse here you know is there's a lot of large footprint of office space commercial real estate shopping malls that are going to experience some hardships. But the blessing out of that curse is people working from home, home sales are rocking because, like you said, is people determine real quick when you're, I mean, when you have a house that's four walls and a roof most of the time because you're not even there hardly, right? Right. But now all of a sudden you're there 24-7 for like 60 to to 90 days. Yeah. You either were really happy with where you lived or you really weren't. Or what we've seen prior to covid if a house had a pool, it was 50-50, whether a client wanted it, you know, half were like, I don't want a jack with a pool. The other half like, yeah, it'd be great to have a pool. Now you got a house with a pool, it's gone. Because when you're stuck with your kids, you love your kids, but you learn you may not like them all the time. They want a swimming pool for them to be out there doing something with, right? right, right. And, and get, I mean, it's just crazy. Isn't it? it it's yeah. just absolutely the 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 buying behaviors and I, and I'm and I'll be curious to watch if these continue you know as industries change um where I also see a blessing that's going to be is smaller commercial space right because your people are still going to need office and there's not a lot of smaller office space so that's going to become high demand so there's going to be some so you know wherever there's a break there's also a gas pedal right and so I, yeah well I mean I've got one of my clients is you know paying fifty thousand a month in in lease expense <laughs> and they haven't been there in you know what over six months now yeah and uh, before people worked at the office yeah so they'll have an office space. But they're not going to need that kind of a footprint. 
They had also been growing, and so they were they they had just signed a, a lease to extend you know to extend more space, and now right. they're they're saddled with that for a while. So it, it may take a while for us to see the effect in in commercial real estate because of the lease terms, but there's going to be an impact. Yeah, no question. So you're a smart guy. I I mean when you called me and said, hey, take the survey on cultural index, I'm. I knew I was going to use whatever product that you called me and said, hey, you should drive this because of my trust in you, right, is, and and you've got a, a very good perspective on life and the economy and whatnot. So from your perspective, where are we sitting economically and where are we a year from now? Yeah, so I, you know, both of us rely on data. Mm-hmm. I'm not big on anecdotes. So I don't personally have enough data points for me to be able to figure that out because I'd like you, I want to know. So what I do is I rely on people like ITR, economics, uh, the journal, and no one is a, is a true, uh, can truly see the future, but it does look like there's going to be a V recovery, right? It, it, it's, it does look like a V recovery. Now, uh, what has mitigated some of that is that, you know, some of our largest states are still shut down. And mm-hmm. that's having an effect on not just them, but others. I mean, look at the size of the of the California economy. And if it's not humming, it, it has an effect on everybody else. Uh, same thing with New York, same thing with, you know, some some of the states like Michigan. But but we but even so it it still looks like a v shape recovery so next year looks like it'll be uh we're coming out of this uh we'll be past the election um uh, politics are playing into this um so that, that that's that's the good news yeah now uh what we don't know is what are the what are the economic policies going to be going forward, and that's going to have an impact. So yeah, so that's but assuming but assuming we don't uh, there's no self inflicted we don't shoot ourselves in the foot. Then uh, there was so much going on before all this. There's nothing systemic that would cause it to to be an issue. So if we can just re- remove some of some of the the, the negativity. Um, with these riots and uh, the and, and and get past the the election, the the belief generally is that we're going to just pop we're going to pop out of this. I'm not saying it's going to go right back to where it was, but it's but we're we're definitely heading 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 our way back out of this. That's 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 so I'm very bullish on it. Great. That's why we'd all like to see it, right? Right. right. V shape means you know doing back doing out. well. Yeah. So let me ask you one last question. Go back to 22-year-old self. If you could go back and have a conversation with 22-year-old Stanton, what is the one thing that you would go back and say, nothing else, just this? What would that be? Um, I'm sure there's a I ton would, of stuff. Well, but, no, yeah, but okay, yeah. the one conversation would be, at that point in my life, I was not what we call intellectually curious 
I knew I knew way more than I knew. So I wasn't open to I wasn't open to others. Uh, I, I wasn't open to to learning the way I am now. Yeah, I didn't realize that uh, I wasn't God's gift to humanity <laughs> in, in every way. Right. So, so and that's that's the truth. So. And and I would like to think that twenty two year old self would have listened to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know that, it, that that I would have. Right. I mean, I I could. I'm not going to get into some of the things that my dad. My my dad told me some things. Um, he gave me the Myers Briggs, and he told me some things that I'm like, that just blew him off. You know, I'm like, whatever. You know. So um, I didn't listen. If I would have listened to him, I would have. Uh, I would have made wiser decisions. Yeah. Um. But I, I just, there, I think I, I think I liked wisdom, and so, and and I think I, I like the curiosity that leads to wisdom. And, and Jeremy, we see, we see that 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 to me, that's the difference in any pattern like yours, like mine, like others, that when when there is an intellectual curiosity, when 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 uh, when people who are autonomous clearly understand that they aren't. God, or that they don't know it all, and they're that they they, they they crave to learn more and to grow and to adapt. World of difference between someone who is open and who is not open, and at that point, I wasn't. So if I could go back and change anything, I would, I would, uh, if I could get through to myself at that point, I would say, hey, dude, you know, you know, get over yourself, um, and and there's there's opportunity out there that you can't even imagine. And the sooner that you, the sooner you understand uh, who you are and who you're not, and the sooner you, the sooner that you choose to extend grace to others for who they are and 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 uh, for what they're not, and 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 appreciate them for who they are, the sooner you're going to have, you're, you're going to have success in life. Yeah. Right. That's the. That that's that's what I would. That's what it would be. I've definitely learned that about myself is if you want to communicate with me, don't talk to me, ask me questions. Right. That's the better way. I mean, my, my wife's got that down to a point. Like if she wants me to know something, she'll ask a, a loaded question. And I'm like, <sighs> right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know what's going on. Uh, yeah. Well, man, thank you for so much for your time, you know, coming on this podcast. How, so, Someone's looking to you know get some get some cultural index. How, or, how do they how do how do they do that? Where, right. Website, so, phone so, number. What, what do we got? Right. Here? The, the the website's cultureindex.com, culture dot And anyone that that looks at the website, you're going to notice it, it's not particularly impressive. And that is by design. Uh, our our we don't we're not big on selling. We're we're big on on demonstrating. So our brochure is what we call a demo. So what we'll do is we'll survey, starts at the top, we'll survey the leadership team, we'll survey, uh, we'll survey, uh, it's really up to any company, we'll survey, ask them to survey people that are A players, regardless of position, people mm -hmm. that are doing great, and people that are struggling with the workload that's been assigned. So our, the survey will help us understand who's who, and, uh, and it'll tell us why they're struggling and then why they're doing well who's properly aligned, who's not, and why. So that's what we do. That's, that's, that's my brochure. Uh, the, the more I'm doing that, the more opportunities I have to do good in the world. And, 
a, a percentage of people that go through that process are going to look at it and say, well, how, how, how'd you nail it? How'd you give me this kind of insight? How can I, how can I, how can I use this to help me win? That's, and so uh, culture and uh, it's S Williams culture at cultureindex.com, uh, 817-480-7557. Give me a call. We'll get you a demo. We're going to have you on the website as well. So, I mean, we're, we're posting the podcast on both YouTube channel and our, the podcast channel and on the website. We'll have dinner where anybody out there that wants to get a survey, man, just reach out. It, it'll help you change your life. In my opinion, I'm a big fan of cultural as, as you're well aware. And, um, yeah, and uh, I mean, for anybody out there looking to buy and sell real estate anywhere on the planet, guess what? When you, when you go to our website and you fill that out and you get a phone call from me or one of my team members, we're going to send you a cultural index. That way we can do that match made in heaven for getting you the, uh, the person that's going to represent you the best. So thanks again for coming. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Winning Strategies Playbook, man. Strategy and winning.